My name is Eric, and I would like to have the absolute pleasure to introduce our GM of both the UK and Europe, Benedict. And we also have the VP of Business Development and Strategic Alliances from MasterCard, David Galvan. Thank you two so much for hopping on the show today. How are you two doing this morning? Doing great, thank Very you. Very fresh, yes. That's what I love to hear. That's what I love to hear. So, um, David, really quickly, can you just tell us a little bit about your role at MasterCard, please? Sure. Um, I've been with MasterCard for seven years, and I lead our fintech engagement practice. So think of me as the guy who talks to lots of fintechs. I probably talk to four or five hundred a year. Um, so top of funnel, fintech guy. Um, I run an operating team, so it's really about helping our customers understand the right MasterCard products and services, the right um, folks within the organization they need to talk to. Um, my team also manages a pretty large external network of partners, so all the program manager, processors, bin sponsors, enablers that are really integral in fintech uh, engagement, especially fintech issuing, are also managed by my team. So, so we have a really tight ecosystem. Um, it's pretty beneficial for our partners to get programs to market, and then when they're in market, we, we continue to manage them and help them grow and be successful. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. That's very impressive. Thank you very much, David. Sure. I mean, uh, so let's jump right into one of our main topics, which is crypto, I guess. Yep. And uh, I mean, MasterCard has been making quite a few headlines lately, uh, of going more into crypto adoption, you know, looking at uh, crypto use cases. So do you see, do you see there a, a big future in payments uh, for MasterCard uh, when it comes to crypto? Uh, is, it, is, it, is it a big vertical for you now? So, I, I mean, look, we're pragmatic about it. I mean, we see crypto as a currency. Um, as a network, our job is to support, you know, global currencies. We, we support, you know, something like 80 currencies on our network. Um, we're not the moral authority of currency. You know, when there's enough demand in the market on the spend and purchase side, then um, we contemplate putting those currencies onto our network. So. So we've been actively involved in the crypto ecosystem for five or six years. You know, we we have lots of blockchain initiatives, um, and then on the crypto side, we've been very supportive of of crypto programs in market. Um, predominantly, what I've seen is uh, money in, money out. Right. So so you still can't go to the Gap and and buy a pair of blue jeans with Bitcoin. So you need to interface with uh, U.S. dollars if you're in the U.S. And so. We provide the gateway through our products to allow people to, you know, spend their crypto or earn rewards in crypto, um, and and um, so so really, you know, money in on the acceptance side, so people can purchase crypto, money out on the spend side, so they can actually buy products and services that still take USD, um, and then have some sort of interface with a cryptocurrency if that's what they want to do. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. I mean. I personally also foresee sometime in the future the ability for you know everyday purchase to be you know transacted in crypto. You know, giving yeah. giving you know the the consumer the choice how yeah. uh, they want they want to make the the purchase. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I I totally agree with you. Again, we're not we're not the moral authority of of currency, right? Um, if there's enough demand. Um, you know, if merchants want to accept crypto, if, if crypto is ubiquitous, 
right? And if you look at, at digital currencies, for the most part, they're not ubiquitous, right? I mean, um, most cryptocurrencies are held by 20% of the people, right? Um, so it's still a speculative product. It's, 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 but, but I envision a world when we have um, a stable you know, digital currency um, that's ubiquitous, then there's no reason why we wouldn't support it on our rails. Um, as it is now, nobody wants to go to the Gap and spend $400 for a pair of blue jeans using Bitcoin, right? I think it's a bit premature. Yeah. I, um, I, I, also, I also agree with you at the moment, um, cryptocurrencies aren't stable enough yet. They're still, it's still a bit too volatile. Um, but uh, once the market will settle and the volumes will increase, uh, that uh, stability will, uh, will certainly be a, a factor. Moving on to, you know, from being a moral authority to still having to adhere to, you know, certain regulations. Yeah. How do you um, how do you deal with, especially being a global company, with the various global jurisdictions that you're operating in? So it's very tricky. Um, you know, for the most part, crypto is unregulated. If you think about it, especially in the U.S., right? Um, it's come under a lot of scrutiny. Um, there's a lot of, you know, what's going to happen with capital gains, what's going to happen with other types of regulation as it relates to currency. When I look to onboard a, pro, a crypto program, um, again, I'm thinking fiat cash, right? Because really, when it's connected to our rails, um, it's, it's all about fiat cash. So, so our partners, like if it's a, a partner bank that's issuing that card product, um, they're adhering to the regulatory requirements of that jurisdiction. It's U.S. It's U.S. regulation. Um, we, we, we do dig into the program itself if, if it's an exchange that's doing a real-time conversion from a digital currency to cash. Um, we will take a look at the ecosystem of that program and provide some base certification. Um, we'd like to understand what is taking place in that. Um, Again, we're not a regulatory agency, so it's it's more just sort of like, hey, um, are we comfortable with this this construct to put them on our network rails? Um, we're concerned about reputational risk, right? Um, if it's a very unstable uh, digital currency, you know, it's going to create problems for our users um, and our brand and market. So we, we we tend to look at the program holistically. Um, and and spend some time internally discussing it. Um, if we're if we're comfortable with the program, we'll provide approvals from our end that allow them to go and then issue the card and, and launch the program and market. For a globally recognized brand uh, such as Mastercard, yeah. making that step towards like into into cryptocurrency, into the digital asset yeah. worlds. It's a major boost, yeah. I think, for the for the for the whole ecosystem. Yeah, um, and it provides trust. And we've seen, without naming names, quite a few players uh, in, in in the recent past yeah. that have misused that trust. Yeah. So I applaud uh, someone like, like like you that's working on a solution uh, to make it a more inclusive. Uh, environment for uh, new uh, new technologies such yeah. as um, uh, cryptocurrencies. Yeah, I mean, look, we're we're very supportive of, of unique constructs, um, things that provide value for consumers. Um, you know, crypt 
like like unsecured credit products that are offering crypto rewards, like Gemini is one of our pr programs in market. Very successful product. It's just an unsecured credit product, but they're doing some really good stuff on the back end to provide crypto rewards um, because that was a demand from their users. And that product has been very, very successful in market. Um, not only providing value for the Gemini users, but it brought in a lot of net new incremental users into the, the crypto ecosystem. Um, but you're right, it, it's, it's totally about trust. If somebody is using our brand at point of sale, there, there needs to be a trust level and a comfort level with, with what is happening at point of sale, right? And um, so, so, so that's why we spend that extra bit of effort to go in and evaluate these programs holistically. Um, you know, we, we um, are very concerned about anonymous programs, for example. Um, they provide a gateway to fraud, and um, yes, it kind of works in the crypto space, but if you're connecting to our network, we want to see the consumer properly KYC'd and AML'd and make sure we, there's no OFAC violations. We think it's good for our, our customers, and we think it's good for our partners and our partner banks. I mean, you touching a good point here, David, because before coming on the show, we quickly discussed that neither of us are um, very regulatory experts, but yeah. in everything we do, we need to ensure that ultimately the, cu the, the customer is, is safe and, and, and secure. That's right. So irrespective of whether being a, like a, a, regu a regulatory expert yeah. or, or, or head of compliance, um, every little step, every, every function in our yeah. jobs um, ultimately leads to ensuring that uh, the operations run uh, smoothly and, and, and compliantly. Yeah. Uh, do you foresee, because at the moment you are, you're, ha you're having a program where the, the merchant, the shop, uh, point of sale is being, um, uh, is being credited with, uh, with the fiat. Um, do you foresee any point that merchants will essentially sto store the, the cryptocurrency that they accept as uh, as payments, and is that uh, an, an avenue you sure. you would want to go down as well? Oh, absolutely! Support? Again, this is this is back when there's demand in the market. There's no reason why we wouldn't settle in crypto on our rails, right? We've already got um, some pilot programs of providing settlement for s in certain situations. Um, you know, if you're looking at cross-border transactions into countries with very volatile currencies using a stable coin or some other digital currency that's much more, much safer, um, ab absolutely. Again, it's all about demand, right? If, if merchants decide they want to accept, broadly accept digital currencies and use that as um, a way to, to, to manage their, their finances, then again, we're totally open, right? Uh, we're not, we're not the, 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 the deciding factor. Right? We're not the ones deciding, hey, I think we should only accept this or do this, right? It's, it's purely based on demand, global demand um, um, for, for digital currencies. And so we absolutely see a time where you know, you'll, you'll have a, a credit product or a debit product, you'll go to point of sale and you, you'll be paying with whatever digital currency that merchant accepts. Totally different uh, question yeah. now. So we're both, I guess seasoned conference years, yeah. so we know how, how it works. What um, what kind of trends 
are you currently seeing at uh, Money 2020 here in, sure. uh, in Las Vegas? And what has most intrigued you so far? So um, I would say that, um, first of all, the show is about twice the size it was last year. Um, so it's good to see people coming back. Um, last year was very core fintech um, and banking. Uh, this year you have investors, more press, um, more folks coming from overseas who can travel last year. So, so it, it has a much broader feel to it this year. Um, from a trends perspective, um, I, I'm, you know, I'm in a unique position in that I talk to so many companies and we're like Switzerland. Um, I would say that um, there's been a slowdown of consumer-facing, um, like neobank-type platforms. Um, that market's very saturated. Um, if you're going to be the 25th company that's offering a neobank for millennials, you be you better be really, really good to convince investors at this point to invest in you. Um, so, um, with the slowdown of consumer stuff, I'm seeing the growth of um, consumer follow-on products for consumers. So every neobank launched a debit card, it's a commodity product. They need to start thinking about the diversification, driving differentiated revenue. So I'm starting to see lots of secure cards now come to market, um, credit builder products, um, unsecure credit products, so fintechs can get into lending. Um, I'm seeing lots of global expansion. So I'm currently working with quite a number of Latin American banks that are coming into the US to launch um, US dollar-backed investment and savings products for Latin American customers. Um, I'm seeing a huge growth in SME and SMB activity. So traditional SaaS companies, they may be like uh, AR automation, right? They're taking more of that payment stack in-house um, where they used to farm it out to a commercial bank. They're like, hey, I can do that myself. I can issue uh, a line of credit against a uh, credit product. Um, so I've seen quite a, a, a big growth in issuing um, for SME and SMB focused companies. Um, lots of remittances plays now, moving monies to specific corridors. Um, what else? I, I have seen a little bit of slowdown in crypto activity. Um, um, you know, I was talking to quite a number of companies looking to issue um, like a, a debit card or some sort of secure credit product. So a credit product based on your, your crypto assets. Um, given the volatility that's going on in the space, I've seen a slowdown in those products, so not, not quite as many of those. Um, so, so I would say for the most part, FinTech activity is very strong. Um, the, the one thing that's driving this is the access to capital, right? Yes, there may be a recession looming, but I can tell you that if you look across um, the venture community, they have ample cash available, right? You've, you've got quite a number of, of firms that have raised significant FinTech funds over the last two or three years. So they're two years into a seven-year fund, right? So they have tons of money to invest. They're just looking for their, you know, the right things to invest in, right? There's there's a little more scrutiny on the programs they're investing in. Just like, you know, at the very beginning of the internet, everybody got funded with, you know, a power, one-page PowerPoint. Now investors want to see path to profitability. What is your customer acquisition cost? Um, 
you know, they want to see some traction um, before they invest. But, um, but, but from my perspective, yeah, there's been a little shift in, in the focus, which is great. People are expanding into areas now um, with the growth of things like, you know, banking as a service enablement. Um, there's more opportunities to expand into these net new areas. Um, insure tech, health tech um, is going to be really big next year. Um, so, so I think I, I expect fully expect to be as busy last year as I was this year. Next year, yeah. that's a good. Yeah. That's a that, that's a that's a good sign. <laughs> um, looming recession, and we're, we're talking about crypto, of course. Yeah. The the infamous crypto winter yeah. analogy or um, definition uh, can't can't be missed. I agree. I think I see fewer crypto companies yeah. um, at this year's uh, conference. However, probably a natural, like a natural uh, progression from what we've witnessed over the last uh, six to eight eight months in the um, in the in the crypto, um, in the crypto in the crypto world. So it's almost like the survival of the fittest. You know, the the the, the series the series players they've have they have buckled down. You know, they kept on building and uh, they didn't overinvest and just concentrated on what they were looking for. And the uh, less serious players, they were, um, let's say, um, kind of um, put to the, put to the side, and uh, and were um, uh, were you know uh, had to had to had to find other uh, avenues. Yeah. So I, I agree. There is uh, there's there's, there's fewer crypto um, in the banking as a service. I uh, I have my fair experience in that one as well. So, uh, but it leads to what you mentioned as well: the saturation of uh, the neo banking. Uh, Ecosystem, okay. That yeah. uh, nowadays, you know, even the 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 the, 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 the banking enablers, yeah. uh, such as these uh, embedded finance uh, companies, yeah. they need to up their games in order to yeah. come up with solutions that could attract new ideas, that will ultimately attract the next generation because they are have ample choice of, yeah. of new types of uh, of banking technologies. Yeah. And but that aside. Moving back towards more the the digital asset and and particularly the blockchain, Mastercard, as it is, is still processing payments in a traditional way. Okay. Do you think? Do you foresee blockchain? And it's quite a generic term, blockchain, yeah. playing a part in future payment processing. Uh, for MasterCard or, sure. or uh, in, in your environment? Um, yeah, again, potentially. I mean, to your point, blockchain's more a, le a programming layer almost, I want to call it. Um, there's components of blockchain um, that, you know, like contract management, for example, right? Um, the ability to compact a lot of data on our payment rails um, to allow us to expand the information that we convey with a transaction, absolutely. Um, so we're very pragmatic about evaluating the blockchain technology for finding use cases within our network to drive engagement, right? Is it going to replace our core processing platform? I don't know. You know, I mean, um, um, what we do, we do really well. Um, it's very, very fast, our network. Um, it's very secure. Um, you know, our network's never been hacked in like 55 years, right? Um, when you see 
the hacks of access to credit products. It usually happens within like merchants, the merchant ecosystem, and not the the, the Mastercard payment ecosystem. So again, we're not looking to like deploy blockchain just because it's the shiny marble, you know, running across the floor. But for particular use cases, we're very pragmatic about it. Yes, and we we've had quite a number of. I mean, we started implementing blockchain um, um, technologies in-house like five or six years ago. So so sure, we're pragmatic, yeah. Thank you. That's pretty much all the questions that I had as well. Any uh, final thoughts, gentlemen? Well, I think uh, this, the final thoughts are A, the conference is definitely a place, uh, place to be, to meet and mingle, uh, uh, to meet, to, uh, to talk about a future you know, developments. Um, what uh, what do you think you will take away from this from this conference this year, David? So, um, I got to tell you, because of COVID, I I I have two hundred customers that I did deals with during COVID that I've never met, never met them in person. Right? We've the the way that we have worked has fundamentally changed. Now we can just do a deal by meeting somebody on Zoom and. Um, and, and everybody is very comfortable with that. We've taken the programs to market with big partners, never meeting them. So one of my best takeaways of the show is actually meeting customers for the first time. Um, meeting people I actually work with at MasterCard that I've never met in two years. Um, that's one. Um, I would say um, the optimism that people have um, towards the, the, the landscape. Um, I don't I don't have a sense of doom and gloom um, as it relates to the recession. Um, for a lot of folks here, the recession provides an opportunity, right, to provide access to credit for folks that have tightened credit. Um, um, the investors that I meet with are, have ample cash. They love recession investments, right? They, they make the highest return during recession investments. So regardless of what's looming in the geopolitical and the economic landscape, I, I, I'm very, um, optimistic about what I'm hearing and seeing here at the show this week. Thank you so much, David Galvan. Ladies and gentlemen, that was our first um, segment of today's Metal Live at Blockchain Beach. Thank you so much, David Galvan, Benedict Goetz.